On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk with Fernando Ruiz, who is not only a comic book writer and artist, but also a teacher in the ways of comic book creation. Plus, we jump forward in time to take a look back at the pop culture highlights from 2019. Confusing? Not for long. Now, straight from the walk-in freezer at Pop Tate's Chocolate Shop, this is 1.21 Gigawatts. And welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 36 for January 2019. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and deserve to be celebrated. Do both yourself and myself a favor and subscribe right now to ensure that you never miss an episode. A belated happy 2019 to you all! There is a tremendous amount of highly anticipated geek-tastic media headed our way in this calendar year. Any other podcast might take this opportunity to preview the movies, the TV shows, and other nerdy pop culture moments we're looking forward to over the next 12 months. But this is no ordinary podcast. Our podcast is powered by a Mr. Fusion, has a flux capacitor, and requires an easily attainable electrical burst of a mere 1.21... Look, it's right there in the show title, okay? That's the reference, just in case that wasn't clear. In any event, we have the means, the will, and the blatant disregard for the time-space continuum to leap recklessly into the future and take a look back at 2019, the year that was and is yet to be. Ah, 2019. No one could have predicted how crazy a year you ended up being. It's hard to believe that there were any pop culture highlights at all, considering we've been living in a lawless realm since the government has been doing nothing but opening and closing every few months since late 2018 in an endless federal budget standoff. Personally, I used to enjoy catching up on TV and movies while flying, but ever since the air traffic controllers gave up entirely to go make a steady living elsewhere, my media consumption has gone way down, especially now that the wagon train has returned as the dominant mode of American transportation. Way too bumpy to do any Netflix binging. Anyway, let's dive in. The Watchmen TV series debuted on HBO. This highly secretive project renewed the public's interest in what many consider the greatest comic book series of all time. It also inspired people to begin quoting series writer Alan Moore's memorable dialogue left and right, a trend started by U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweet quoting the character Rorschach, None of you understand. I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. Oof. Other public figures who also wanted fanboys nationwide to fall in love with them also turned to notable quotes from Watchmen, adapting quotes from Alan Moore's dialogue. For example, Bernie Sanders released a statement including the Watchmen quote, I don't mind being the smartest man in the world. I just wish it wasn't this one. That's a statement he made when announcing he would not be seeking the presidency in 2020. As special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into the question of Russian interference in the U.S. election process wrapped up, he led with the Dr. Manhattan quote, I am tired of Earth, these people. I am tired of being caught in the tangle of their lives. Understandable, if not a little confusing. And even serial tweeter President Trump got in on the action by posting the Rorschach quote, Herm. Right. Moving on. 
2019 was also a huge year for Star Wars. Episode 9 wrapped up the sequel trilogy and found director J.J. Abrams revealing that Rey's parentage was relevant. Kinda. Her parents were revealed as none other than Wilro Hood, the infamous ice cream maker guy from Cloud City, and the Force itself. Yes, another child of the living Force and the most ridiculous background character from The Empire Strikes Back. This union was the result of a very niche dating site. And what a weird birth. We're not going to get into it, but that was one big birthing pool. And Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opened at Disneyland and Disney World. And boy, was the theme park extension of the Star Wars experience popular. So creative, so immersive, and so, so crowded. Wait times for the Millennium Falcon and Rise of the Resistance attractions currently stand at a mere 77 hours. The back of the line in the Florida park begins at baggage carousel number four at Orlando International Airport, and in Anaheim, the line begins in Santa Monica. But take heart that Disney is listening, and Cot Rental is now available with a tourist refugee camp being set up just outside the theme parks in parking section Dopey 19. Have a magical day! Marvel also had another banner year with the release of Captain Marvel, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Avengers Endgame. It was no real surprise to see that most of the death and destruction wrought by Thanos in Avengers Infinity War would be undone, especially all those marquee heroes that seem to literally be blown away by the snapping. But how they were restored, that was a surprise. Turns out, everyone's dust particles were carefully swept up and compartmentalized. Thanks, Roomba. And then they were finally restored by wrapping those particles in a damp paper towel, placing them in a microwave-safe bowl, and reheated for 90 seconds. Spice to taste, and then poof! 50% of the universe is restored! With the assistance of the Infinity Gauntlet, of course. Don't try this at home, kids. And then ultimately, all the Infinity Stones, the Power Stone, Time Stone, the Emma Stone, all of them, they were dispersed throughout existence until future event movies will require their reassemblage. It was sad to lose Chris Evans as Captain America and Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But fear not, you'll soon be saying Captain America who? Once the timeless and beloved Marvel characters, the Eternals and Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, make their way to the big screen. Umbrella Academy and Doom Patrol ushered in a new phase in the life cycle of genre entertainment, proving that no comic property is too small to attract the attention of Netflix and other streaming services. As a result, get ready for the series adaptations of Freaks, an early 90s series from Malibu Comics most memorable for the fact that its title is spelled F-R-E-E-X. Come on, guys. This will be followed by a Hulu adaptation of the mid-80s limited series from Marvel, Steel Grip Starkey and the All-Purpose Power Tool, for mature audiences only, of course. And expectations ran high for a series adaptation of the Diamond Distribution Previews catalog. Yes, thrilled to the excitement of 60-second clips of everything that's being released in three months. Every month! Even I can't really follow that timeline. Which acts as the perfect segue to wrapping up this 2019 year in review. We had so much to enjoy, especially those of you who live far enough inland to not be affected by the flooding and superstorms brought by this year's complete environmental collapse. Or the citizens of Britain, who no one has heard from since the failure to secure a new trade deal with the European Union. Keep calm and carry on. 
One of the coolest aspects of comic book creator Fernando Ruiz is that he's an artistic chameleon. Many people know him from his work with Archie Comics, where he's contributed to the legacy of Archie Andrews, Betty Veronica Jughead, Kevin Keller, and the rest of the Riverdale gang in the traditional style, meaning the globally recognizable artistic house style established by artist Dan DiCarlo in the 1950s and 60s. Fernando nails that perfectly, which is good since creating work for Archie is frequently his day job. But then you look at his portfolio, his how to draw YouTube series, his storyboard work, and you see some incredibly detailed, dynamic, kinetic illustrations of all of your favorite comic book characters from Iron Man to Superman, Nightcrawler and Wolverine, the list goes on and on. The art is so consistently good that you think, geez, this guy should be a teacher. Well, guess what? Budding comic book professionals can indeed soak in the knowledge of Professor Ruiz at the Kubert School, which specializes in cartoon and graphic art. The following interview took place at the Garden State Comic Fest back in July 2018, and if you're wondering whether Fernando and I discuss his work on the So Crazy It Just Might Work series Archie vs. Predator, the answer is keep listening. For a lot of comic book readers, some of the earliest books that they read or the comics that their parents buy for them and put in their hands were Archie Comics. And writer and artist Fernando Ruiz is part of that grand Archie Comics tradition, chronicling some of the most popular modern stories to emerge from the company. Hello, Fernando. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Um, is it true that your first published work was, in fact, for Archie Comics? Yeah, yeah. They they hired me in 1994. I was still attending the Kubert School. Okay. So I, I graduated and I went right into my first published job. Yeah. Oh, that, that is awesome. Do you remember what that was? I don't remember the title of the story, <laughs> but I, I remember the issue, All which right. was Archie's Pals and Gals Double Digest Number 8. Whoa. Well, yes. we have that issue right here. Come on in. <laughs> no. Uh, when when I was uh, first introduced to Archie Comics as a kid, the, the stories would usually be mostly driven by uh, corny jokes and Jughead eating an <laughs> absurdly large sandwich or something, which I, I swear I wrote down here, and you're drawing, and I feel kind of bad exactly now that I made that reference. <laughs> um, but in, in the last... 10-ish years or so, uh, the opportunities to tell richer stories with titles like Life with Archie and Kevin Keller um, have really surged to the forefront and sort of redefined a lot of what Archie Comics is all about. Um, was that, to your knowledge and your involvement, was that an editorial decision? Was that writer-driven? How did that come about? Uh, it really came about uh, from our, our new CEO who came on board at the time, John Goldwater. And, um, you know, he, he sort of like took a look at the books and, and kind of unleashed us and said, you know, do, do whatever you, you want. You can do anything. Yeah, do, do the stories you always wanted to do. Um, the main thing is just be funny. You know, it'd be funny and entertaining. So um, we took a look at, at what we were doing, and, and all of a sudden, things like, like Kevin Keller became possible, and like killing Archie became possible, and, and right. Archie versus Predator became possible. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. That we've got to talk about Archie versus Predator. How does a series like that even get past the spitballing stage? Because I, I imagine like this, this goes from like Archie versus Predator, that'd be awesome. And then there's a pause and someone says, you know, <laughs> which, which is an, it's so amazing to me that, that that even exists. 
I, I, but it's but it's a fun read. It's it's crazy. Oh, it it absolutely was, and it came about pretty much as you described it, <laughs> where where we were kicking around ideas. Who would we like Archie to team up with? And we had just had Archie meets Kiss, right. which was a phenomenal success. That was huge. Mm-hmm. So we're kicking around all sorts of crazy ideas, like Archie meets. Um, Freddy Krueger and Archie meets uh, uh, Godzilla, which I'm still hoping for. Um, (laughs) Fingers crossed, y'all. But the one we came back to was Archie versus Predator. Amazing. And I'm in this meeting listening to this, and I'm thinking, there's no way this is ever going to happen. And then, like, uh, a week later, they called me and asked me if I wanted to draw it. <laughs> that is incredible. So so when something like that happens, I mean, it's one thing to spitball these team-ups or, or ideas. Do you have to then deal, does Archie have to talk to 20th Century Fox or something to say, like, how would you feel? And then, like, meanwhile, do they have the same conversations on their end of, like, that's insane. Wait a minute. Um, well, I don't know what happened at their end. Sure. Um, but actually, Archie partnered with Dark Horse Comics. Oh, and they had, yep. Dark Horse was the, the one who had the um, the uh, Archie versus Predator license. And um, so really, editorially, I dealt with Dark Horse. Okay. And Dark Horse was the one who um, dealt with 20th Century Fox, who owned the Predator. So everyone had a say. And everything that I did, in fact, everything that we did had to go by Dark Horse, Archie, and 20th Century Fox. Okay. And every step of the way, I'm thinking, they're never going <laughs> to let me do this. I'm reading the script, which, you know, is as everybody dying and people getting beheaded and yeah. eviscerated. I'm thinking, <laughs> no, somebody is going to have a problem with this. And... No, everything went. Everything happened. That is incredible. That's yep. sort of a dream scenario in a way of like not not that the dream is to is to murder these these <laughs> classic characters, but to have that kind of creative freedom on something, especially everyone going in thinking like, no way, no way, no way. I, I was amazed. I, you know, I had that eraser handy because I knew I have to obliterate these panels sooner or later. But no, <laughs> we, we kept going, and uh, it, it it really is a fun book. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people still um, come up to me and talk to me about it and, and remember sure. it. For sure. I would expect that. Um, so you mentioned that you went to the Kubert School, um, and you are an instructor for yes. the Kubert School now, right? What are you currently teaching at Kubert? Uh, I am teaching narrative art to the uh, first-year students, and I co-teach na- uh, narrative art with Adam Kubert to all our third-year students. Okay, all right. Um, and uh, what uh, what what do you see? Like, do you do you need to talk to them about trends in the industry or anything along those lines? Are there experiences that you've had that, both as an artist but just someone working in the biz, that you want to? Give these give these kids a heads up about. Well, you know, um, it, it's important at the school that all the teachers are working professionals. So that's how we we keep things relevant to the students. And the school also has an advisory committee with representatives from all the different companies, and they always like tell the school like, "Look, this is what's happening now." 
Um, plus, we all read comic books, so you know we're we're all like saying, you know, uh, the Punisher is hot this year. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so so, the, so bone up on your small firearms. Exactly. Yeah, right. You you attend a lot of conventions like this one, of course, which uh, gives fans a chance to connect with you. But I'm guessing that this, of course, also gives you a chance to connect not only with fans but fellow creators and uh, possibly uh, even former students. As we're talking about oh. that, what what do you look forward to when you're attending a convention? Uh, really, all of that. Um, it, it, this show, especially being, um, it, it's really like a big party for me because I mean, just this row we're in is a lot of my students are here, <laughs> a lot of our, our graduates are here, a lot of my my fellow teachers yeah. are here. So I mean, we we all know each other, um, and you know. Uh, we sort of look out for each other, and that's where the networking comes in, and we keep our, each other abreast of, hey, this place is looking for an artist, um, or, hey, why don't meet this person who, who who's looking to work with somebody. So it's really a really nice little community that we yeah. have. I always love hearing stories like that, just to know that the community is alive and well, and yeah. it's not people staring at each other no, it ruefully is. across the aisle. It, it That's is. great. It really is. Um, in conclusion, uh, tell me what we need to know right now about the Die Kitty Die and Die Kitty Die Hollywood or Bust and Heaven and Hell. There's a lot of Die Kitty Die going on. Yes. What is the latest? Yes. Uh, well, uh, my Die Kitty Die partner, Dan Parent, another graduate of yeah. the Kubert School and a fellow Archie yeah. artist, yeah. Um, we just had our third Kickstarter for the third volume of Die Kitty Die, which is Die Kitty Die, uh, Heaven and Hell. Um, where she dies. Spoiler alert. Spo oh, great. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> but it, the story doesn't end there. Heaven and hell. <laughs> um, so we just did the Kickstarter, and we finished all the artwork for it. So it's now it's a matter of putting the book together, printing it, and getting it into the hands of our um, Kickstarter supporters. Thank you very much. We couldn't do it. Do, I've done it without you. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Starting, I believe, in September or October, the issues, the single issues, will be hitting the stands. Oh, cool. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we all have something to look out for then. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, have a great show, you. Fernando. Thank my you pleasure. Much, Brad. Thank Bet. you very much. If your interest is piqued in the continuing Die Kitty Die saga, you can most effectively scratch that itch at DieKittyDie.com, your one-stop shop for not only the collected editions of Die Kitty Die, Die Kitty Die Hollywood or Bust, and Die Kitty Die Heaven and Hell, but there's also t-shirts, stickers, mugs, shower curtains. I'm not kidding. And now you're thinking about it. You're seriously considering buying a Die Kitty Die shower curtain, I know. And if you want to follow the continuing adventures of Fernando Ruiz, check him out on Twitter at Fernando Ruiz Art, and also at his website, FernandoRuizEverybody.com, which is full of frequently updated gorgeous art. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guest, Fernando Ruiz. Thanks also to Dave O'Hare, Sal Zerzolo, and the men and women that keep the Garden State Comic Fest humming along, allowing me the chance to sit down with Fernando in the first place. And thanks to Eric Belomo for recording the conversation as well. And thanks, of course, to you for inviting me into your ear canals to nerd out with you. It means more to me than you know. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like, and what deserves to be sent to the spice mines of Kessel, smashed into who knows what? 
You can tell me by leaving me a message at one of the show's many social media channels. They are the 1.21 Gigawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Gigawatts. And on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Gigawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds in one magnificent destination at the 1.21 Gigawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to www.121gigawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. And while you're nerding around on the internet, please be sure to visit marvel.com where you can find more of my writing within the Marvel Top 10 video series. Top 10 Iconic Comics and Top 10 Fantastic Four members are the latest episodes for your consumption. And if you're thinking the Fantastic Four had more than four members, I have two things to say to you. Number one, come on, of course they have. Number two, get on over to marvel.com to learn more. I don't know if you're aware of this, but every episode of this podcast is available for free in the podcast section on iTunes. It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. Please do it, won't you? You know, we want this show to grow and you can help. Whether you're a subscriber or not, I would be so eternally grateful if you left the show a review, ideally a good one, over on iTunes, which will help more people find the show because that's how computer algorithms work. Do it. If you're not an iTunes user, you can also find us by searching for 1.21 gigawatts at soundcloud.com or on Player FM. You clearly found us on one of those platforms, so congratulations! Browse the episodes listed there and check out another one. I'll even make a recommendation for you. If you enjoyed this episode's interview with Fernando Ruiz, I encourage you to check out episode number five, when I spoke with another contributor to the Archie Comics mythology, Paul Castiglia. Paul has written Archie, edited for Archie, and is well-versed in the company's history. That's episode number five of 1.21 Geekawatts. Give it a listen as soon as you finish this one. And please, please share this episode or another one that you enjoyed on the social media with a friend who's also into geek skewing entertainment. They will thank you for it. Huge gratitude to the Ubermensch of the USB composer and my co-producer David Cisco. Inconceivable! You are and remain the best, Cisco. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all of those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome rocking out with the 1.21 Geekawatts theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. gigawatts what every geek wants is what we got from doctor who to aqualad you might meet luke and leia's dad pop culture that is super rad hosted by some guy named brad it'll rock you to your nylon cylon socks 1.21 freaking gigawatts more careful. I seem to be goofing up a lot lately. Hey, handsome. Huh? Well, I'll be. You look like an intelligent type of guy. Say, you're handsome yourself. The name is John L. Sullivan Jackson, junior state karate champ. <laughs> <laughs>
My bus is laying over for a while. Can you tell me where I can pick up a malt and burger? Uh, down at Pop's Chocolate Shop, John. Thanks, pal. You can call me Jughead. It's a nickname. Well, wonders never cease. It's mine, too. Say, Jug, could I see the karate chop again? Sure, Jug. <laughs> see you around, good-looking. So long, handsome.